Hey, well, if you've been around me much, you know that there was a season of my life where I grew up in Louisiana. There's three or four Louisiana people back there. I see, a, I see an LSU tiger back there. All right. Hey, but you guys know I like Boudreaux. I like to tell some Boudreaux jokes. So I thought it might be imp- appropriate to maybe tell a Boudreaux joke this morning. And so, you know, Boudreaux entered a raffle to win a bass boat. He did. And, and he won. He won. His wife, Marie, though, when, when he was trying to figure out how to bring the boat home, his wife, Marie, said, hey, Boudreaux, what are you going to do with that boat? You're 75 miles from the nearest body of water that's deep enough to even float that boat. What are you going to do with it? He says, I don't know, but I want it, and I'm going to keep it. So he took it home. He put it in the pasture in his backyard, right in the center of the pasture. had it on a trailer just sitting out there in the middle of the pasture. And uh, Thibodeau came a few days later and wanted to visit Boudreaux. And so he knocked on the door, and Marie answered the door. And and, and Thibodeau said, hey, is Boudreaux home? And Marie said, yeah, he's, he's in the back sitting on that boat in the middle of the pasture. And, uh, and Thibodeau said, all right, I'm going to go back there. So he walked around to the back of the house. He got to the edge of the patio, looking back in the pasture where Boudreaux was. And Boudreaux was out there sitting in the boat with a rod and fishing reel, d- just sitting out in the pasture. And Boudreaux yelled out to him. He said, or Thibodeau yelled out to him. He said, Boudreaux, what are you doing out there? And Boudreaux said, I'm fishing. What does it look like I'm doing? And Thibodeau looked at him, and he got this look on his face. He said, Boudreaux... It's people like you that make us Cajuns look stupid. If I knew how to swim, I'd swim out there right now and whoop you. <laughs> That's free today. <laughs> That's free today. You've got to go a long way for a Boudreaux joke. Some of you didn't get the joke. A little later when I'm saying something serious, you can laugh. You're like, I got it. Hey, have you ever been at a moment, though, in your life where you thought it was going to be that, that prime opportunity to show your success or take the next step in your, in your school or take your next step in your job. Maybe you had a job presentation and a lot was riding on it and you just knew this was, this was the thing that was going to launch you, right? right? I had one of those experiences as a, as a trumpet player. And some of you didn't know I played trumpet, but I did. In college, I played a lot of trumpet. And so as an 18-year-old, I came out to the big city of Tulsa, to ORU, and, and I was there, and I was in all the different ensembles, and we were about five or six weeks into the semester, and the TV sh- uh, show called over, and they said, hey, we've got an orchestra piece that we want to play on the show tomorrow. We need the orchestra to prepare. So it was a Monday night. We were going to be playing on the show. It was Richard Roberts Live. It was a live show that was recorded every morning at 7 a.m. So they called over, and the orchestra conductor passed out the charts, and sure enough, the first trumpet player had a big solo. And I happened to be the 18-year-old first trumpet player, and I was going to have a solo. I was going on satellite cable TV. Yeah, I called home on that corded phone that we had back then. You know, I called home. I told my friends, all the friends in high school I'd played trumpet with. I called my mom and relatives, and I said, hey, I'm going to be on TV tomorrow. Turn on satellite cable. You can watch Rich Roberts live. I'll be on live, you know. So that practice that night, uh, we practiced. I stayed in the practice rooms until it closed. I was practicing until like 11 o'clock that night. I didn't want to mess up. Because it was my moment, you know, it's going to be on TV. So the next morning came, we had to be there for a sound check. We were there really early. But the way they, they did the show back then was you had one sound check run through, and then it was live. It was recorded with no stops, and whatever was recorded was, some of you are way ahead of me now. You're looking at me. Okay. So sound check came, 
everything was going great. I played the trumpet pretty well back then, and so I was playing my part. It was sounding good. In fact, the, the sound guys and the, the media guys, they had figured out I had the solo, and so there was a jib with a guy on, on a camera, and they, they found out at what point in the song I started playing, and they had that thing drop down right in front of me in the sound check. I mean, they even knew when I was playing, right? Well, that moment came. We got through the sound check. Everything was a go. They called the start of the show. The show came on. The song came up. And I had a long section of music before I came in, and I had to count rest. Any of you that played an instrument, you know you have to count, right? Somewhere, in some way, I lost count when the song started. Some of you are feeling sorry for me already. I love this. Compassion. Yes. So, I'm sitting there, and, and there's nobody to talk to. There's no, hey, can we start over, or what count are we, or anything. I mean, things are happening around me with live TV. And all of a sudden, I start seeing this jib guy come, and he's right in front of me with the camera. I'm thinking, it's probably about time for me to play. So I pull up my trumpet, and I was the best Millie Vanilli trumpet player you've ever seen. you got to be as old as me to know who that is, but I didn't play a note. I faked playing the solo all the way through because I had no idea if I was in the right part of the music or not. I, I thought my scholarship was going to get canceled. I thought the orchestra conductor was just going to lose his mind when it was over. He was so gracious. But I had failed in the biggest moment of my life up to that point playing the trumpet in my short <laughs> trumpet career. <laughs> if I pass the mic around today, I have a feeling that you have some stories like that. And I chose one that was a long way in my past because I didn't want anything near, near where I am now. But if you live long enough, you're going to face failure. And we have a stigma in our society that, that we try to mitigate risk. We try to make sure that we're not going to have any trouble, that, that we're not going to fail. We don't want our kids to fail. We don't want to fail. And, and, and there can be a, a fear of failure that basically takes over us, that keeps us from doing everything that God wants us to do. So this morning, I want to talk about failure, but I want to talk about it in a different way. I want to talk about failure that leads us forward. Because what I'm convinced of is that failure is not final, but quitting is. And we have an opportunity when we fail to probably grow much more when we fail than when we actually succeed at something. You know, we're in good company when we fail. When I think about all the people in the Bible who had opportunities to fail, it's interesting that when, when God approached him or an angel approached him and they had something big that was about to happen, they would always say, fear not. That's the first response even they had. And the reality is that fear can stop us from ever taking a step toward what God has for us. We get one shot at life. Now, we have opportunities to self-correct, and we have opportunities for God to help us correct, but you only get one shot to live the life God's given you. And if you let fear overtake you, then you're never going to reach the potential that God had in your life. So today I want to talk about that. I want to talk about some characters in the Bible, and, and, and we're in good company. I, as I think about even the guys that Jesus uh, poured His life into, the 12 disciples, I, I can think about the, the different struggles that they had, and I think of James and John. They never really understood what the kingdom of God was all about. They thought it was an earthly kingdom. They, they wanted to be the right and the left-hand guys for, 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 for Jesus, and in fact, they got their mother involved just trying to get put in a good word so they could do that, and they were, they were messing up left and right. I think of, of Thomas. He's known as the doubter. He's always doubting what was going on. I have a feeling that was a characteristic that wasn't just at the end of Jesus' life, but it was throughout. They had Judas, and I'm not sure what they thought of Judas, but we know where he ended up and what he chose to do. But the guy I want to focus on today is Peter. 
Because Peter, in the three years that Jesus ministered, had more opportunities to experience failure than almost any other Bible character that I can look at today. You see, Peter was the rash guy that would go out of his way to, to, to be the first to say something, to do something, and then Jesus would have to either correct him, put the ear back on the guy. He'd have to wake him up if he was asleep. He would have to basically rebuke him when he said things that weren't true about what Jesus said. And over and over again, Peter had an opportunity to just give up. Peter could have said, this is the last time I'm going to do that. You know, Jesus keeps correcting me. I'm, I'm a failure. I'm not going to, I'm not going to accomplish what I, what I have. But, but Peter found a way to fail forward. And today I want to look at a passage of Scripture, and it's found in three of the Gospels. It's found in Matthew and Mark and in John. We're going to specifically look at Matthew, and you're going to have an opportunity uh, to read that with me here in just a moment. But the title of my message today is really focused around a story where Jesus walked on water and Peter gave a valiant effort. And so the title of the message is Step Out of the Boat. Step Out of the Boat. Now, there's three Gospels that talk about the story, and they give us an opportunity to see kind of the different perspectives that the disciples had. But it's interesting as I think about Matthew, Mark, and John, we're going to read the Matthew passage. Mark, when he was writing the Gospels, had a lot of Peter's influence in how he wrote the Gospels. And so they knew uh, some of the same stories. They would have been inspired by God together as they were writing that. Uh, but I'm sure when Mark got to this story, Mark doesn't include this about Peter. I'm sure when Mark got to the story, Peter's like, man, it'd be great to put in there that Jesus walked on water. I mean, it shows he's a supernatural God. He can go over nature, anything like that. But how about you leave out the part about me falling when I got out and tried to walk on the water? Now, I know that that's not a conversation that probably happened. All Scripture is inspired. But Matthew, the tax collector, wanted to make sure it got included. And so we're going to turn in the book of Matthew... And we're going to look at this story, and now you're going to figure out why there's a boat on the stage. You might have thought I was just turning into Boudreaux or something, but I'm going to get in the boat. And we're going to turn to Matthew chapter 14, and I just want to look at 11 verses today. And we're going to walk away with some points that we're going to take with us today. And I think it's going to give you an opportunity maybe to have a new perspective even on failing when failing happens in your life. I'm going to read. You're going to see it there on the screen. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that His disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while He sent the people home. After sending them home, He went up into the hills by Himself to pray, and night fell while He was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting the heavy waves." About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. And when the disciples saw Him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, He said. Take courage. I'm here. And then Peter called to Him, Lord, if, if it's really You, tell me to come to You walking on the water. And, and Jesus said, come. So, so Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus but when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. And Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? And when they climbed back in the boat, the wind stopped. And then the disciples worshipped him. You really are the Son of God, they exclaimed. So that night... 
comes after the end of a very busy ministry season. They had been traveling. Jesus had been preaching. He had been on the hillside preaching to over 5,000. The people got hungry. You guys know that they multiplied. He prayed, and the food was multiplied. He was able to feed the 5,000. And Jesus was tired. Jesus had had a long day. He probably was tired of being around people. He may have been tired of his disciples. He sent them across the, the lake. He sent them across the Sea of Galilee while he wanted to stay in the mountains and pray by himself. But all of them were exhausted, and these disciples went out, and they struggled. They were rowing in a boat. They were trying to get across to the other side, and about three in the morning, in the middle of some strong, stormy waves that were happening, they see Jesus walking on the water. Now, I don't know about you, but I think my approach in that moment would have been a lot like the other 11 disciples that were there. I wouldn't have been thinking about, hey, that's pretty cool that you're walking on water. I think I want to do that too, right? I, the, the boat was a common uh, commodity that they knew. It was something they were experienced with, and there was an assurance if they stayed in the boat. You know, I, I preached this message in Malawi, and, and I used an illustration. You know what a couch potato is. They have no word for that in, in Swahili or any other language over there. But they were boat potatoes. These other disciples were sitting here, and they were watching Peter, and Peter was standing up saying, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you. And Jesus calls him out of the boat. And I'm sure as the years went by, those disciples in those rooms when they were having times even after Jesus was gone, they were reflecting on that night. They were thinking about the night in the boat when Peter got out and really embarrassed himself. And they would always tell the story of how Peter tried to walk on water like Jesus. But here's the reality. Those guys may tell the story, but the only person who really has a story to tell is Peter. Because the last time I checked, when we look at the list of people who have ever walked on water, it's a short list. In fact, if I were to put it on the screen, you know, you got Jesus who walked on water, and then you got Peter who walked on water. He's the one that got to experience something that none of us have ever experienced because he asked Jesus and he got permission and he went. And the reality is, Sometimes, even though it was a failing moment where he stepped out of the boat and he wasn't able to take very many steps, the reality is that he had a story he could tell his kids and his grandkids about the time that he walked on water. I don't know what you want out of your life, but I, I would love to have a, a, a story or a series of stories in my life where I trusted God enough that those kinds of stories could be told to my kids and my grandkids as I got older. And the way you do that is getting out of the boat. If you want to walk on water, you got to get out of the boat. If you want to walk on water, that's the first point today. If you want to walk on water, you got to get out of the boat. You got to get out of the boat. There's comfort in the boat. You can stay in the boat. You're going to get to the other side. The disciples made it to the other side. Jesus made sure they made it. But their life wasn't half as adventurous and as exciting as Peter's was because they weren't willing to take the step to get out of the boat. In fact, that should have been immediate at that point. If Peter's asking to go, James and John should have said, hey, we're up next. Let's go. But they didn't. They all stayed in the boat. As I think about that, there's some things that Peter did that I think are steps that you and I need to consider because we don't just want to step out of a boat and just arbitrarily go in some direction thinking that we're taking an adventure in life and not know exactly where we're going because I think there's a purpose that God gives us in our life. And one of the best things you can do as you're growing in your faith is figuring out what God's purpose is for your life. 
It's an unfolding purpose. It's something that, it, it, it's not something that most people see 50 years out to see what they're going to become or who they are, but it's a step-by-step moment of learning and beginning to understand the voice of God and knowing what God is saying to you and then being obedient to take the next step. So it's interesting to me that uh, Peter asked permission. He didn't just get out and start walking. He wanted to know if Jesus was going to back him up, right? He, he wanted to know that he was going to have a chance to actually do that. So uh, it, it's just interesting to consider the steps that Peter took on this journey. I grew up uh, in the South. I have grandparents that lived in Mississippi, and I had some crazy cousins. That were, you, you probably know some people that would have stepped out of any boat, just try anything, right? Well, I've got a cousin that's a year younger than me, and when we were 10, 11, and 12, we, we would go to my grandparents' house on summer breaks at Christmas. He lived there. He had all kinds of stuff that we'd get into. But one of the things we did was we had some bicycles that we'd take to, to my grandmother's house, and behind the house, there was a huge cow pasture. And it went on, and it was in a slope straight down. And it was perfect for, for you when, at that age when you wanted to take your bike, and you just kind of hit it, and you just go as fast as you can down the bottom. You could get air. There were little bumps you could go over. The only trouble was there were usually cows that were around, and you had to dodge the cows, and there were cow patties everywhere as you were going, right? So we get going, and we wouldn't check with our parents. There was no helmet back then. There was nothing. We were just going. But, but what would happen after you hit a few bumps, his bike was kind of worn out, and it was just a, a, a simple bike. It didn't have all the gears and everything, but it had the pedal brakes, you know, the kind where you just reverse them to put the brakes on. Well, after you hit a couple of bumps, his chain would come off his bikes every time. And as you're going down a slope, a pretty steep slope, going and, and getting speed to where you're going and dodging cows and cow patties and all that, when that chain came off, there was no brakes because that foot brake doesn't work when the, when the chain is off. So we'd be going down and we'd be losing control. He'd be on the right, I'd be on the left, we'd be going down, and eventually we would end up just in a pile at the bottom. I'll let you decide what kind of pile it was. It was an utter disaster. Eddie liked that one. <laughs> Thank you, Eddie. All right. It never broke any bones or anything, but, but we went after it. We had, we had, if my parents had known, if my mom hears this now, she's going to wonder what in the world we were doing. It was dangerous what we were doing, but he and I had a story at the end of it. But here's what I want to uh, make of that. We didn't, uh, when, when I think of Peter, he didn't just come up with an idea and step out. He didn't just think of the craziest thing, the coolest thing that he could do. He saw what Jesus was doing. And then he asked Jesus, can I have permission to do that too? If you want to know a direction you can take your life, just look what Jesus is interested in and start asking him to unfold a plan for you to be a part of what he's doing. And you're going to have a life worth imitating. And you're going to have stories that you're going to be able to tell your kids and your grandkids. So if you want to walk on water, you got to get out of the boat. Second thing that I notice is that Peter had to, had to take a step. You know, it, it, was, it was easy back when he was asking Jesus. He may have even been calling Jesus bluff. He may have been saying, hey, that's really cool what you're doing there. Can I do that? But now Jesus is saying, come on out. So now Jesus is out at him where these other 11 guys are just sitting here. And Jesus is saying, come on out, Peter. The water's fine. You can do this. And so Peter can't just halfway step out. There's no such thing as halfway stepping out of the boat. You're either all the way in or you're all the way out. 
There's no test case. There was no opportunity for him to do an analysis of the the density and the velocity of the water and all that and figure out if his weight was going to be balanced and all that. He had to step out of the boat and trust what Jesus had told him, that he could come. It was a cold winter when I was 10, 11, 12 years old. lived in Louisiana. We had uh, about three weeks of of sub-freezing temperatures, and we had a pond in our front yard. And I was convinced after about three weeks of it being so severely cold that we could probably walk across that pond. I wanted to walk on water, you know? So here, here was my strategy. I, I, I'm not, you know, I am related to Boudreaux and Thibodeau after you hear this story, but here was my strategy. So I had a dog. He was 30, 40 pounds, and he liked to fetch sticks. So it had been three weeks. It looked hard. I mean, it looked like it had been frozen solid. And so I took a stick and threw it across the pond, and that dog just went screaming across there. He slid past the stick. He came back and got the stick. He came back. It was all good. I was thinking, yes, my plan is working. I had a sister that was five years younger than me. Oh, now you're going to think badly of me. I see how it is. Okay, so, so she was five years younger, 40, 50 pounds lighter than me. I said, you know, the next step would be to see if she could step out on there, right? I didn't confer with my parents. They had no idea this was going on. I got in big trouble for this. So, so she steps out. And she immediately sinks down to her knees, and I pull her out, and I have to go explain to my parents what I've done to my five, six-year-old sister. It was a big, big deal. But Peter didn't have a sister that night. It was Peter who had to step out of the boat. And Jesus had said, hey, if you're interested that much in coming, come on, big guy. And so Peter stepped out of the boat. I can't even imagine. We read these Bible stories so sanitized. We, we take our emotions out of them. We, we remember the outcome before we get to it. So we have this bias toward the optimism. Everything worked out great. It's happy, happily ever after. But can you imagine the 12 guys in the boat and him trying to step over the side, what they were saying to him and what he was thinking in his mind? Sometimes it just takes 15 seconds of courage to make a difference in taking a direction that God's calling you to. 15 seconds of saying, I'm going to step out of the boat, and I'm going to keep walking. And he walked, and he took a few steps, and then he faltered when he got a little uh, aware of his surroundings and what was happening, but Jesus was right there to catch him. If you want to walk on water, you've got to get out of the boat. I want to throw the second point up there on the screen now, and we're going to talk about that. If Jesus calls you out of the boat, He gives you the power to walk on water. See, Jesus wasn't uh, just telling him, I hope you can make it, but Jesus was backing him up. And Jesus was saying, if you're going to step out, I'm here, and I'm going to catch you. If Jesus calls you out of the boat, He gives you the power to walk on water. The other disciples didn't learn that lesson that night. They had to do it vicariously through what Peter did. But Peter understood that if God called him out, that he was going to back him up and it was going to be his power that moved him forward. And Peter did that over and over again in his life. He didn't let up. Whether he failed or succeeded in what Jesus was asking him to do, he kept trying. And we have the results of of that ministry that he continued even after Jesus was gone. If he calls you out of the boat, he gives you the power to walk on water. 
I'm going to move to the third verse, uh, third point as well. Go ahead, team. If you fail, fail taking steps toward Jesus. Should say when you fail. Fail taking steps toward Jesus. As I think about that and in this story, uh, he didn't just arbitrarily, as I say, step out and, and go his own way, but he was stepping toward his Savior. And God was in that moment. As I read that passage, though, I, I, I look and I, I see uh, the way I used to read it was, was much more like a King James version of the story. See, uh, when I see uh, Jesus kind of reprimanding him, I see it in a voice like, like a, a Charlton Heston kind of voice or whatever. Why did you have so little faith? Why didn't you trust me? But as I read that story today and I think about the character of God and the nature of God, I see a totally different picture. See, all of us have had an experience. If you have kids, you know, when your kid gets close to one years old, they they start trying to walk, right? Uh, No different for us. Garrison, when he was about one, started trying to walk. And and you know which direction they want to walk. They want to walk toward mom or dad, right? And and mom and dad are there and they're trying to support what they're doing in that moment and and what's going on. And they take a step, they take two steps. But it's really, it, it would be odd for a parent to go, why didn't you have faith? Right? be a little odd, right? What are we doing when a kid does that? Now, I have a, a cell phone now, but I had a camcorder back in the day. Oh, look at you. Come here. I'm going to get you on video and tell all my friends. You took two steps today. That's my best kid voice now. I've gotten out of, out of whack there. So. But when Garrison and Audrey and Natalie did that, it was a big deal. We wanted to have it on video. We wanted a picture. So, so when I see that, uh, you know, the words are there. I'm not going to say the words don't say what they say. Why do you have so little faith? I, I, I see it this way, though. I see Jesus over there going, he's really going to walk. And then I see Jesus going, why didn't you have faith, man? I got you. You keep stepping this way, and, and I'll take care of you. You can trust me, just like you would for your kid. And I have a feeling when that was happening, I have a feeling God up in heaven, he's like, get the angels together. He said, guys, look, Peter's going off script again, but that's pretty cool. That's my son. He's walking. He's taking some steps. You see that? No one else in history is ever going to do that, but that's Peter. That's Jesus, and that's Peter. That's my son, and that's my other son. Right? That's the way God loves us. That's the way God wants us to live our life. He wants us to go. He's not, if we fail, it's not a God sitting here going, man, you didn't have enough faith. I guess you need to get back in the boat. We have a God that loves us enough that says, come on out. I got you. I got you. If you'll take that step, I got you. Now, Peter had been taking steps all along the way. He didn't just start that night taking steps. See, Peter had, had been in a boat many times. He started in a boat. Jesus showed up. He said, hey, you want to come and be fishers of men? And Peter had a little bit of time to decide, and he decided that day, I'm stepping out, and I'm going to go where Jesus said. And then Jesus said, why don't we go do this? He said, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm going to keep going. I'm getting stronger. I'm learning more. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going until I fulfill the purpose. And it's interesting to me, whether he failed or succeeded, he continued to do what God said. And when you think about his life, even toward the section where Jesus was crucified, he really screwed up. He denied Christ three times. He cut the soldier's ear off and totally missed what Jesus was about in those last couple of days. But the same guy that struggled, that failed in all those things that we read about and we chuckle about how he could have even thought that he should have done it that way, 
is the same guy that 50 days after Jesus resurrected stepped up when the Holy Spirit poured out and got in front of a podium and he preached the gospel and preached the prophet Joel's prophecy of what was going to happen in the last days. And 3,000 people were added to the church because he decided to step out of a boat years ago when Jesus asked him, will you stop fishing for fish and go after these men? And he can do the same for you. He can do the same for you. But the trouble is, if you and I live in a culture where we want to mitigate fear and failure and not want to have it in our life, it's going to go contrary to what God's going to call you to do because He's not concerned about your comfort today. He's concerned about your growth. Jesus didn't come to make us feel comfortable. He came to create in us who He is. And the only way we do that is when we keep stepping out of the boat because it's not comfortable. It's not comfortable to crucify yourself as the Scripture says, not literally. But He's calling us to a life beyond what we can do our own. And I see over and over again, as I get older, it's so easy when the boat situation comes up, it's so easy to go, man, I've seen that before. I'm not sure I want to go through the pain of stepping out on that one. I think I'll just sit right here with the other disciples and hope it all turns out for the Peter walkers that are out there. But God never intended for us to settle in a boat somewhere and decide that was enough. You have an opportunity to live your life to the end, walking on water. There's a fear cycle that keeps so many people from accomplishing what they could accomplish in their life. Fear starts with, with the inactivity. You, you basically get to a place where you just say, I'm not going to try because I'm afraid. I'm, not, I'm just not going to do it. The inactivity leads you to inexperience. You don't have any knowledge or skill of what you could have done because you didn't do anything. It leads to inability where you can't do anything, and then it leads you right back to fear. And if you live in that fear cycle long enough, you will limit the growth in your life, whether that be a spiritual growth or even a growth in your business, in your life, in your education, whatever cycle you want to put it in. It will limit your ability to live a full life in the way that God wants you to live it. Peter stepped out of the boat. If you want to walk on water, you got to step out of the boat. Some of you have come today and maybe you've never even surrendered to Christ. You've been going through your life, you're in a boat, and you think, you know, life is what I make it. I'm just going to go with the flow. I've got a plan for my life. But today, Jesus may be challenging you. I think the Holy Spirit may be even challenging you to consider if you've ever surrendered to Him, if you're walking in a direction that takes you toward Him. And today could be the day where you decide to step out of the boat and surrender to Jesus for the first time. Many of you have been on the journey for a while, though, and and maybe you're at a point in your life, I I don't even know if it's a spiritual thing, I don't know if it's a a job-related thing, an education thing, a family thing that you may be dealing with, but I believe that there's something going on in your life, if we did an inventory right now, that there would be something that you're dealing with in your life where Jesus is whispering in your ear and saying, hey, you need to step out. You need, to, you need to do that. Maybe it's an area that, that you have a passion to, to serve somebody that's under-resourced or underprivileged, and you just sat on the sideline going, oh, I, it won't work out. It's just not me. I, I can't do that. But I believe Jesus is, is talking to you today. 
And I believe if you ask him, if you ask him, he's going to say, you want to you walk on water? Come on. And, and I think he's going to get his phone out. And all the people in the room that are taking the step, he's going to be going, look at that. Look at my son. Look at my daughter. Look at what they're doing. Look at the steps that they're taking. Look at what's becoming of them. Because he gets glorified when you and I choose to live our life in a way that honors the opportunities that are in front of us, the gifts and the talents. When we talk about the parable of the talents, the Bible, the gospel is, uh, is biased to action. The gospel is never meant to be in some church building where people come and pray like a monk and they stay here. There's a place for that and there's a time for that. But the Bible is to be lived in the community that you live in. It's to be making a difference in the area that you're in. So when you take a step, you take a step to know God every time you step out of the boat. You begin to hear his voice and you're more clear on what he's saying to you. You're maximizing the potential that he's placed in your life when you take the next step. When you take the next step, you're discovering your purpose. And then when you look back, maybe 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, you're going to see that your life made a difference. Not because you chose a field that was so good or you were so successful in something that you did but because you serve the Savior, the one and only person that gave meaning to your life. If you want to walk on water, you got to step out of the boat. Our worship team led a song this morning, and it was just God lining it up. I, I, when Garrison showed me the list, I was like, I want that song. But there's a segment of the song where we're talking to our soul, and we're saying, don't get quiet on me now. There's a lion inside you. And it's not about self-help. It's not about what you can do in your own power. But when we glorify God, when we say, hey, come on, my soul, wake up. Pay attention to what God's doing. Pay attention to what the Holy Spirit is doing. There's power in that. And so right now, I'm going to give you an opportunity. I want you to stand right now. I want you to stand. I want you to get in a posture where you can worship God. The altars are going to be open for a season right now while we're going back into the song. But I want the team to start with that chorus about our soul. I want to speak to our soul. I want us to speak to our own soul. Just keep building it right now. Let's build our souls. Let's build it. God has a plan and a purpose in these next few moments. You're going to decide to take a step in some area of your life and he's going to speak to you about it. Lord, I just pray right now as we go into this song, as we go into this time of worship, I pray you speak and I pray you give us obedient ears to respond. I thank you for your goodness and mercy in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen.
every head, every head bowed, I just want to give an opportunity for anyone, anyone who needs to surrender their life to Christ today. I'm not going to embarrass you in any way. I want to give you an opportunity to respond. Are you ready to step out and accept the offer of Christ today? Just raise your hand if you'd like to do that. I'm just going to give it a moment. All right. Now, some of you are dealing with things in your life. I don't even know all the details that may be there but you're being challenged to step out. Maybe it's not even your choice, but you're in a season of change. You're in a season of uncertainty, or you're dealing with fear of failure, and it's really giving you a, a, a anxiety and, and depression and things that are coming with it, and you're like, God, I don't want anything to do with this. I want us to have an opportunity for you to respond. The worship team's gonna go back into this chorus, and I just wanna have the altar be a place where we can come together and pray with you. And we've got an altar team that'll come and, and support you if you come forward in these next few moments. But I want to give an opportunity for you to respond today if that's something that you're, you're dealing with in your life. You're dealing with change. You're dealing with fear, a failure. No one's going to call you out and worry about what your failure is. We just want to help and support each other as we pray. So Garrison, go back into that song, and we're going to have an opportunity to respond in a moment. So I throw up my hands praise you again and again cause all that I have is a hallelujah hallelujah and I know it's not much I'm nothing else fit for a king except for a heart singing
God's hearing every one of the prayers that are being offered right now as people are moving and responding to that message. And I, and I just want to assure you, if you're here in the altar, that you have a loving Father. And when you're stepping out or you're dealing with change or you're dealing with failure, you have a Father who's got his camcorder out, he's got his cell phone out, and he's saying, that's my kid, and I got him. I'm going to take care of whatever's concerning them. I'm not going to let them fail to the point where it's final. But I'm going to help them get back on the track that I have for them. And I'm going to help them move forward into what God has called them into. So that's just a promise of God today. We've got a loving God. We've got a God that wants to know us. He wants to know each of us individually. And, and he's going to do that for you as you lean into him. So I just want to close this time with a prayer. And then we'll leave the altar time open for anybody that wants to continue praying. But Lord, I just thank you for this opportunity, for the truth that we have in Scripture. That when we move to you, God, move toward you, and we step out of the boat, that you are there. And Lord, I thank you, you're a loving Father. And so I pray even now, God, as we consider walking on water, as we consider whatever that is in our life, God, I thank you for your love, for your grace and your mercy that covers us. And I pray as we step into this week, as we step into the realities that we're going to walk into as we walk out of this room, I thank you that you are going to bring forth your spirit in us a way that lets us move forward, even in the face of failure, to the next growth opportunity you have for us, God. Because you don't leave us the way we are, but you change us. And you change us more like you every day when we lean into you, God. And I pray for fear to be pushed back. I pray that we look at this as an opportunity to move forward and to grow and to become all you want us to be. And I thank you that when we turn our heart to you, God, that you speak. And so I pray that in these next days that those that have responded today, God, you're, you're just going to speak in that inner witness so that they can hear your voice and take the step that they need to take in their life to move forward. We receive your grace and mercy today. We thank you it's unmerited. We thank you that you are a loving God. And we go forth in that strength and that reality today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you all for worshiping with us today. Everybody have a great Labor Day, and we'll see you starting that Bible engagement on Wednesday night.